love him for it. Amen. So let's, uh, let's look at the word a little bit. Let's turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. John chapter 3. Familiar passage. John chapter 3, verse 16. Anybody seen that in a sports stadium under a football player's eyes? John 3, 16. How many of you know that even though you know that and memorize it, there's no possible way we could have exhausted all the information in John 3, 16? Is that true? I mean, is there something, is there possibly something else we could get from John 3, 16 if we just studied it out? I would think so, right? I mean, the word is rich, isn't it? Let's read it together. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that amazing? God so loved the world. So the first part of our healing series is I really felt like the Lord was leading us to look at that God loves me. Now we know, we can say this, that God loves us, right? We say that without really any reservation. We know God so loved the world. Of course he did. Why would Jesus come? And we put it into the plurality of all human beings and mankind for all time. But the truth is, is that God loves me. He loves me. He loves you individually. And he keeps such good track of you that he knows the number of hair on your head, on your beard. <laughs> You're welcome, Chris. Sorry. Uh, you know, because yeah. he knows it at any one time, right? And he keeps track of it. That's not even something I keep track of. He keeps track of it. Isn't that amazing? He loves me. In verse 17, he says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus is not the condemner. He is not the condemner. Guess who the condemner is? See, there's a difference between two words, conviction and condemnation. They, they're very close. They both start with C, but the conviction comes from the root word of convince, to convince. And conviction is godly. It means that the Lord is trying to help us to get us out of an area that's disastrous and into an area of health and life and peace. Conviction will get us recognizing this isn't right. I need to change this. This is not working. Condemnation makes you feel bad for what you're doing. You see that? You ever heard anybody say shame on you? Oh, shame on you. What an ungodly, unscriptural thing to say. Christians should never, ever say that. Not even in jest. Because shame is a tool of the enemy. Shame is what made Adam and Eve hide right? Shame is what drives us away from God. And conviction says, listen, this isn't working, but I can help you fix it. Come, come to me, right? It's a drawing. It's a pulling. Even with our kids, we got to be careful with this with our kids, right? Because when they mess up and sometimes it's frequent, right? We've got to be careful how we project how they're going to see the father in the future, We've got to make sure we're not putting condemnation and shame on them. Conviction, yes. Ask questions. How did this work out for you? <laughs> Could we have done this differently and better, right? There, there is a, certainly a form of correction that needs to come into our kids, but never associated with shame and condemnation. You guys, you guys hearing what I'm saying? It's important. And we need to convey that to our kids so that we are accurately representing who our father is. He is a good father right? A good father. And Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. 
He sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Man, he so loved us. He so loved us. So this morning, I'm going to be challenging you to think these thoughts on a regular and reoccurring basis, that God loves me. God, lo- let's, Let it do us good. Let's say that together. God loves me. One more time. God loves me. Come on, say it with some conviction. God loves me. Man, it's a big deal. You know, the revelation of that, when it really sinks in, this stuff we struggle with in our thoughts and what about and what ifs, and when it comes back to it, God loves me. God loves me. Oh, he loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. Simple nursery rhyme, right? Our kids can sing it. Our two-year-olds can sing it. But it's so critical that we get this into our kids. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the what? The Bible tells me so. What does the word say? The word says God loves his kids. If it was just you on the planet, Jesus would have come and sacrificed himself. If it was just you. Because you were on his mind. You were in his heart. I gotta save him. I gotta get him out of that mess. I love him too much to leave him there. And then God did the most amazing thing. He gave his only begotten son. It was his best. He could have given given stars. He could have given, given planets, galaxies. He could have given that thing, but that wasn't enough. That was not enough. The price to be paid was his best. It was his only son. We value things based on what we pay for them. And God is not dumb. He would not pay $5 billion for something you can buy at Walmart for five bucks. He's not gonna do it. And the enemy would have us think that we're not of value, that no one would miss us. We could just breeze off into the sunset. No one would know. God will know. God knows he loves you. He cares for you. He values you so much he paid his best price. Can't even put a dollar amount on it or yen. (laughs) You can't. He paid his best price, gave his son. That's amazing. Say it again with me. God loves me. God loves me. Man, he loves you. He loves me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. You guys doing okay? I'm telling you, this foundation right here, when you get this, lock this in, think about it. Remember that word meditate we talked about? Meditate means to mutter to yourself, kind of like a crazy person. (laughs) I love it. But muttering to yourself is what meditation is. It is to repeat the word of God over and over and over because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that includes when you say it. So when you say and agree with God, God loves me. Oh, God loves me. Thoughts come up. No, he doesn't. You're a rascal. You know what you did? Mm-mm. God loves me. My past is gone. My past is gone. All that bad stuff, and it's gone. Are you a new creature in Christ or not? Have you been made brand new or not? Was Jesus' blood enough to wash it all away or not? Then we got to agree. It's gone. It's gone. There's stuff in your life. If somebody came in and said, oh, I knew that rascal when they were in eighth grade. And you, you wouldn't be proud of what they said, but I'm telling you what, I'm not gonna be ashamed of it because it's gone. It's gone. 
not going to make me feel bad about it anymore. Jesus took care of it. And if he's not thinking about it, neither am I. It's gone. Amen? Amen. It's important. God loves me. So when that rascal, and you know I'm talking about the enemy, brings thoughts up into your mind that says that you're not enough, you're not getting enough done, you could do more. What about this stuff in your past? What about that? What about those words you said yesterday? Mm-mm. I already asked forgiveness for that. Thank you, Lord. Right? Tell him. Put him in his place. God loves me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. First John 4. You there? First John 4, verse 12, says this. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. You hear that? We have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. God is love. That means that love himself loves you. Can you get any more loved than that? Love himself loves you. He's the definition of it. And when we try to rationalize and reconcile in our mind, well, how can we serve a wrathful God that's gonna, that will judge the earth and the nations, and yet he loves us so much? It's truly the love of God that brings judgment, that brings righteousness. He loves us. See, I've, I've already decided. I'm in. I'm all in. Like David said last week, I believe it all. I'm in. I believe this stuff. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe God raised him from the dead. I believe that heaven is my home, that eternity, eternity has already begun for me. Born again. Thank you, Lord. I believe it with everything that's in me. So nothing's gonna sway me from that. And I know that God loves me and that judgment has already been pronounced on my Savior and my Lord. You don't have to give an account for the sins that he washed away. They're gone. Think about that. That's just enough to make you want to dance right now. They're gone. He's not going to bring them up anymore. So you stop bringing them up. They're gone. Okay. Somebody needed to hear that. God is love. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. If you're, if you're in an area where you're struggling with, this bothers me, I'm afraid, I'm nervous about this, check yourself, check it out. Okay, Lord, what am I, that's a road, that's a road sign to say, I'm not believing something right about who I am in Christ right here. I'm not believing something right because I'm in fear about this and this is not right. There is no fear in love. There's no fear in love because if we believe God's got us and he's taking care of us, whatever we face, he's got us. True? So then these, these what ifs and these candies and nuts, 
these whatabouts. They just, okay, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, don't be afraid of that word perfect. That word perfect doesn't mean flawless right there. It does not mean flawless. When you get flawless love figured out, then all fear gets cast out. That is not what it means. It means mature. It means mature and fully developed. Not perfect, mature. That means you recognize it. I'm, I am loved by love himself. Thank you, Lord. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. That's not from God. That's not from God. Torment is not from God. Fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect, has not been made mature, has not been made to full maturity, to fully developed in love. For we love him because he first loved us. Before you were even a blip on the radar of life, God loved you. He saw ahead and said, oh, love him. Jesus, you're going to have to go for John. Jody, I love her. Jesus, you're going to have to go for Jody. You're going to have to go for Manny. I love him. You're going to have to go for him. He knew your name. He loved you. Man, you see this revelation? This has got to get on the inside of you. I can teach this for 20 straight years. You got to get it on the inside of you. The word of God's got to come alive on the inside of you. And it starts with just agreeing with what God said and said, God so loved me. You know, you can make John 3, 16 personal without being sacrilege to the scriptures. <laughs> you can. You can read the scripture and you can read it personal. For God so loved Corey that he gave his only begotten son that Corey, when he believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He loves us. These songs are important for us to sing and for our kids to sing. They need to know that we love them and that God loves them more than we could ever love them. They need to see that. And that means if it's in us, it'll get into them. If it's not in us, come on, parents. You gotta get this stuff in you. It's important to your kids. They'll see a change in you. Something will be different about mom and dad when revelation comes, he loves me. And it's not just textbook anymore. It's not just rhetoric and talk. It's not just a cute little song. It's real to us. He loves me. It's the foundation of all that we do, all that we believe, everything that we pursue. God loves me. He has a good plan for my life. Oh, he wants me to just go after what he has for me. My destiny, my purpose is rooted in the fact that he loves me and he loves the world, loves them. Every man, woman, and child loves them. Amen? John 16. You guys doing okay? It's not a super happy message, but it is super important going into the healer series. If Jesus is our healer, and he is, we've got to believe some things about ourselves that are true and stop listening to the lies, saying you're not worthy, you haven't done enough, you haven't attained. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You can't earn it. You never could. You were never good enough. That's why Jesus came. True? Come on now. Do we need to do some calisthenics or something? You guys okay? A little too warm in here? A little coffee? All right. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Fourth book of the New Testament. 
Verse 27. Thank you, Lord. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Jesus is saying the Father loves you. Why? Because we love Jesus. (laughs) We love him. We love him. God says, those are my kids. I love them. I love them. God is good to us. One more chapter over, chapter 17, verse 23 of John. Jesus said, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Is there any doubt that God loves his only begotten son? None of us would say, no, there's no doubt. Even knowing that he sent him to the cross, there's no doubt. There has never been a truer love. And Jesus said, you have loved them as you have loved me. Now, do you think Jesus had that figured out? I think so. I think if anybody had love figured out, it was Jesus. He was the express image of the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Think about that. We get a record of what Jesus did, what he said. We don't even, we don't even get all of it. We just get parts. The Bible, the Bible said that if they'd recorded everything that Jesus did, the, the volumes in the world wouldn't be able to hold what Jesus had done of the libraries and the books. It's like, really? We get a glimpse of what he did. And everywhere we see him go, he's breaking down barriers and walls and he's showing people that I love you and I love you. And they're going, why? Why do you love me? And he's like, I love you. Man. So God loves us. He's not just this entity in the sky that someday we'll figure out. He's a heavenly father that says, I have adopted these kids. These ones that have said yes to Jesus, they're my kids. I have adopted them. I have brought them in. And just like you wouldn't push out one of your kids, he won't push one of you out. We love our kids, right? When I was a first-time dad of a little girl, I'm thinking, man, if somebody tries to get to this kid, I will rip them apart, right? Just like Papa Bear, right? I mean, there's just something about having your own is you're like, "Mm mm-mm, don't mess with my kids. Don't do it. We got to kind of rile ourselves down when, when people mess with our kids, right? The neighbor said, what? Get my coat, <laughs> right? Like, hold on, hold on, reel that back in. But God, man, he cares about us. He cares about us. We've done series like this before, and I believe the Lord will lead us into other series just like he has. We always get, we always get exactly what we need in the right time, don't we? Man, he's good to us. But it's important that we recognize that God's doing something in our lives for a reason and a season, and that we pay attention and that we're led by the Spirit of God. And believing right, having faith the right way, is important to ask, accessing the things of God. There's, there are volumes of Christians and churches out there meeting this morning that have wonderful intentions and even love God and love Jesus. But scripturally, they are missing the mark, right? I mean, like God has put things on us to teach us things, that he's involved in tornadoes and hurricanes, that he is the disaster maker and then also the disaster reliever. And they're confused, like, well, 
if I'm supposed to be sick, then why am I trying to get healed? And if the storm's supposed to be God, then we shouldn't run from it. Why are we evacuating? It's like, it's confusing. It's confusing. We've got to be men and women of faith that can rightly divide the word and say, okay, what does my God do? Jesus said it very clear, very clear in John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We do not put that on God. He is not the thief. He never will be. Who's the thief? The enemy, right? He, if it's stealing, killing, and destroying, who is it? It's the enemy, right? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm telling you, when we get into this word of God loves me, when we begin to see this, we begin to understand, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. This isn't from God. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm drawing the line in the sand. God loves me. That dictates everything that comes across your path. God loves me. Then this, this situation can't be from God. It can't be. God said, let no man say he is tempted of God for God tempts no man. But with the temptation that comes, because temptation will come. Anybody figured that out yet? You've been on the planet more than two minutes, right? Temp with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape. He's always the one helping us to get out. Always, always. That means there's a way out. Somebody needs to say that. There's a way out a way in out. this mess. There's a way out. Because he loves us. He loves us. <laughs> You know, it's not enough just to believe in God. Even the, even the devils believe in God, right? I heard somebody say, kind of jokingly, there's not one atheist in hell, which is true. If you're in hell, you realize there is a God, and I wasn't it. And, and then you've got, a, you've got an agnostic. They call it agnostic. They believe in a higher power, but they're not really sure what it is. That's just a fancy way of saying going to hell. It's true. There is a God. And he is to be, to be re revered, honored. The Bible, calls, the Bible uses the word fear. fear. The fear of the Lord, right, is the beginning of all knowledge and wisdom. Well, why are we supposed to fear? It's not terror. It's reverential awe. Yes, sir, you are alive and well, and I love you, and I will serve you. Thank you, Lord. But he's also a father. He says, come to me. Come to me. Talk to me. Fellowship with me. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> God loves me. Say it again. God loves me. God loves me. He does. <clears throat> so if you're sitting there thinking, man, I'm just, I just don't know if I can believe that. I can't believe that. Anybody ever heard that or said that to yourself? I can't believe that. The truth is that statement is false because by very nature of believing is a choice, Right? It's, it's by very nature a choice. So if you're saying you can't believe it, really what you're saying is, I choose not to. I choose not to believe that. That's, that's honest what it is. I choose not to believe that. When people say, I'm not, I, don't, I can't believe that Jesus thing, it's too far-fetched. They're saying, I choose not to believe it. When we choose Jesus and say, I believe this, it's a choice. It's a choice. You know, the scientists argue all the time. We've got evolutionists, we've got flat earthers, round earthers, we've got, I say that with it, try not to chuckle. Um, we've got creationists, they, are, they, they debate all the time. And the truth is, is that nobody was here 6,000 years ago. Anybody? Y'all look good if you were here 6,000 years ago. 
Nobody was here. Nobody can say, I saw it. We've all got to look to something and say, I believe that. Evolution is still a theory. It's called the theory of evolution, right? We, we believe in creationism because we choose to believe the word of God, that he said it and he meant it, and that's what it looked like. We have to choose that, right? And we see creation all around us. It's a wonderful gift. Nobody was here 6,000 years ago. We've got to believe what God said. We've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross. Now, there is tons of evidence for it. A guy by the name of uh, Lee Strobel was an avid atheist, wrote for a New York paper and set out to prove that Jesus was not crucified because he understood that that was the crux of everything, that he was not crucified he was not, or that he was not raised from the dead because there was tons of writings of the day that he was crucified. But he found out in all of his study that it was just undeniable Jesus was alive on the planet after his death. He was seen by too many people. There were too many things that happened. There was too many recordings of it. It was evidence. If you look around, you'll see God is honoring his word and he's honoring his word and he's honoring his word. It's true. So really, don't ever say, I can't believe that. Just say, I'm gonna think about that some more because <laughs> I want my beliefs to be in line with what the word of God says. Yeah? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> the word of God is important. I'll tell you this. One time I was praying and I was seeking the Lord and uh, I was asking him about my, my future and the plans that he had for me and, and uh, what he wanted me to do. Anybody ever had those moments? If you haven't, I encourage you to because he will talk to you. I'm not talking audible voices, but he will speak to your heart and you will hear from God. It's amazing. But I was talking to the Lord and he told me this. He said, if you will value the word that you hear and you see and apply it to your life. So I'm asking him, Lord, I'm here in teaching. I'm here in ministry. I'm here in, I'm here in great revelation coming out of the word. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He said, if you'll value the word that you've heard and that you've, uh, uh, that you've seen and apply it to your life, I will be able to get you to the places I need you to be and you'll be able to accomplish what you need to finish you'll be able to accomplish what you need to finish. That's what he told me. And, and the reason he told me that is because there's a possibility of not finishing. All of us have a choice. Choice. We can run part of the race, a quarter of the race. We can run nine-tenths of the race. Paul said, run your race and finish it with joy. That means there's a way to not finish. But we, if we put the word first, and we honor the word and we put the word in and we agree with what he said, he can, he can get to us what he needs to get to us. He'll, get us. he'll get us to the right people, the right connections. He'll get us the right revelation we need for our season, for right now, for what we're doing. And you'll look back and go, wow. But we gotta honor the word. We have to honor the word. That means when we see scriptures here that says God loves me, we don't deny it anymore. We just say, yes, Lord, I agree with you. You love me. And we say that to ourselves. And we say that to ourselves. It's meditation. God loves me. God loves me. I was in the car one time just worshiping, driving. And uh, just, you know, one of those moments where you just felt like, man, I need, need to express some gratitude and some worship before the Lord by myself, driving in the car. And God showed up in my car. I mean, he just, his presence just saturated that thing. And I was like, wow. I mean, just full of the presence of God. 
And I had, pull, I had to pull over. I'm like, I'm just going to soak this up for a while. This is good. And it was just because I took a moment and I just said, Father, I just want to honor you. I just want to honor you. I want to worship you. I'm so grateful for how, you good, how good you are to me. I'm so grateful that you love me. Oh, you're so good to me. And a song came up in my heart and I sang that song. And the presence of the Lord. <laughs> the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, there's nothing like the presence of God. There is nothing like it. It's good. It's filling. It's rejuvenating. You're like, how can I get me some more of that? It's wonderful. But it takes time. It takes a little effort to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to agree with your word. I'm going to quiet myself whether I feel like it or not. I'm just going to come before you and I'm going to say to myself, oh, thank you, God, that you love me. Thank you, Father, that you love me. Over and over and over. You can do it. You can do it. We've got to get it on the inside, amen? It's important. God does not need to prove to you that he loves you. He doesn't have to prove it. We just have to believe it. He's done everything he's ever going to do to prove that he loves you. He said, I sent my only begotten son. So asking those questions, these why gods, or God, will you just do this for me and then I'll know? He wants us to take him at his word. I've said it. I meant it. Believe it. That's what he's asking us to do. I've said it. I've meant it. I want you to believe it. When we, when we see the word and we say, that's God's word to me, I'm, I'm gonna believe it, I'm gonna receive it, and I'm gonna act on it. The power of God's available in your life. That's how faith works. You believe it, you receive it, you act on it. There has to be an action. We got lots and lots of Christians that believe it. They said, yeah, okay. They're not acting on it. What do you mean acting on it? I mean saying it. Acting like it's true. Amen. Shutting things out that used to just bother you. What about this? What about, nope, I'm not doing that. God loves me. It's an action. Saying that is an action. We've got to believe it, receive it, and act on it. And faith is at work in our lives. And God's like, there's, there's some kids I can work with. There's my sons and daughters. Yes, they're taking my word. Anybody ever been offended at you because they told you they were going to do something and you're like, hmm, I don't know about that. Anybody ever said that to you? It's a little hurtful. Well, I said I was going to be there. Mm, we'll see. Anybody? Just me? <laughs> There's a couple people in your life when they say stuff, you go like, mm, I'm going to have to wait that one out, see how it turns out. True? They're not as reliable as you would like them to be. God is not that way. When he says it, he means it. And we can trust him. Our experiences cannot dictate whether we believe God's word or not. Our experiences do not always line up with what God said in his word. Is that true? Nobody found that out but me? I'm telling you, it'll, that'll be a, a eyes wide open moment for you when you're like, oh, because we start assigning all this stuff that happened to us. Well, th- if this was God, then he must have meant this. And, and it had nothing to do with what God was trying to do in your life. It was just life. Stuff was going on. People are rascals. They cause us problems sometimes. Yeah? And it has nothing to do with God. So we got to recognize that. Say, okay, Lord, my experience in all cases does not exactly line up with what I see in your word. But nevertheless, I believe your word. I believe that you love me no matter what. I believe that you love me. Man, that's important to get. Can you see that? It's important. Romans chapter eight, and then I'm done. You guys doing okay? Everybody warm enough? Too, too warm? 
It's always warmer up here, I'm telling you. Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 28. You guys doing okay? Write these down. Go back. Don't take my word for it. Go back. Look at them for yourself. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's Jesus. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Thank you, Lord. What, the, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Everybody say all things. If God's going to give you Jesus, the Bible says that if he's, if he's going to not stop there with giving his best, how shall he not also give us freely all things? Man, he's a good God. He loves us. He wants us well. He wants us whole. He wants our relationships healthy. He wants our finances in abundance. He's a good God. He is no respecter of persons. He will honor his word. Every single time, no matter what country you're in, no matter what uh, social economic status you're in, he will honor his word. There are literally thousands of stories coming out of third world countries where people have gotten the word of God and said, this works. And they begin to apply the principles. And we think, how in the world could God get somebody out of poverty with the definition of poverty is right there? And he does it. I mean, thousands of stories. People that like, I've had this chronic forever. My dad had it. My dad's dad had it. My dad's dad's dad had it. I have it. People getting healed and set free because the word works every time. Every time. Amen? Who shall bring a charge against the God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God and makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. This, this is the assumed answer. Saying, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No way. Persecution? No. How about famine? No way. How about nakedness, peril, or sword? No. Resounding no. Nothing can separate you from God and from his love. For your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That needs to be our anthem verse this week. Nothing, nothing separates me from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing you've done, Nothing the enemy's done. Nothing your rascal relatives have done. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Zero. Amen? God loves me. Say that with me. God loves me. me. One more time. God loves me. Man, he loves you. He loves you. Let that resound in your heart this week. Let it just come up in your heart and your mind over and over and over. God loves me. God loves me. Oh, God loves me. Let that just meditate on the inside of you. It'll change the way you're viewing what's going on in your life. And then as we go into this series of the healer, Jesus Christ, our healer. 
things will come alive to you because you've already got it. God loves me. God loves me.